What is up? Welcome in. Happy Friday if you're listening on Friday. Happy whatever other day it is if you're listening on another day. It is 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as always, fellow contributor at SodaSoccer.com, Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how are we doing? I'm I'm doing great. Um, it's been uh, we're we're in sort of like a rare slow period in in terms of how busy soccer is in in uh, the upper Midwest, which is is nice. Although it it comes along with um, in Venezuelan football right now is where all like the playoff stuff is starting, so it's very busy yep. there. But um, but yeah, no, having a having a good time tracking all that and looking forward to uh, soccer here getting a little busier soon with with college and all that, and looking forward to talking today. Oh, the tide's coming in soon, Dom. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't you don't you worry. Uh we're gonna get hit with a lot of different uh matches and, and content that'll need to be put out once the college soccer season starts, which is actually just a few weeks away. Uh Gophers, St. Thomas men, St. Thomas women, the NSIC, the UMAC, the MIAC. Uh just a lot uh to cover this fall with college soccer, and we will have you covered as best we can at sodasoccer.com. Of course, sodasoccer.com, your new home for soccer coverage in the North. I shouldn't even say new home. We've been around like six months now, so maybe we should take the new <laughs> off of that. But uh, your home for soccer coverage in the North. Um, go, ahead, go ahead and check us out if you could, sodasoccer.com, S-O-T-A-soccer.com. Um, really good piece from Jacob Schneider, sort of recapping the, uh, the Nashville win for Minnesota United and what it could mean moving forward for the club. Um, you know, Minnesota United contents there. We have lower league content there. Uh, Dom, you just did a really nice piece checking in with St. Paul's own Michael Vang uh, with Columbus Crew too. So um, just a lot of great content outside of the Minnesota United bubble as well. Yes, we cover Minnesota United there, but we also try to branch out and hit on other corners of the Minnesota soccer scene. So if you could support us there by just checking us out at sodasoccer.com or contributing to our Patreon, patreon.com slash sodasoccer. Um, we have three different tiers there. You can support us for as low as $3 a month. Um, we put a bonus podcast up there every single week. And also, if you're a Loons fan and you kind of want that insider scoop, that insider access, I post all the training audio that we get every day at Minnesota United Training from Adrian Heath, different players. Um, that is all up at patreon.com slash soda soccer as well sort of uncut unedited uh audio with the with the club there so um if you want that access you want that bonus content and or you just want to support what we're doing uh our patreon is a great way to do that patreon.com slash soda soccer and if you could support our sponsors as well ninth street soccer and coffee uh stimulus athletic and our friends over at pence homes as well um if you could support them that'd be a great way to help support us too but Dom, as we mentioned, a little bit of a downtime, but definitely still finding content to talk about here on uh, on the show. And we're back to uh, having an interview on the show this week as well. We haven't really done that in a while, but uh, you chatted with Mish from Twin Cities Karen Community Club Evolution FC. They recently won the Karen Martyrs Day tournament, uh, which is kind of a local community club tournament there for the Karen community. So obviously the uh, Karen soccer community is a very, very big part of the Twin City soccer community. Um, so a, a really good chat with Mish, which you will hear uh, a little bit later on in the show. But Dom, any other teasers or anything else you want people to know about the interview before they will hear it a little bit later on in the show? Yeah, you know, it, it was just uh, it was cool to to get on the phone with Mish and and just talk about uh, one this day that I was not particularly familiar with. He explained what what Karen Martyrs Day is is an important day uh, for Karen people historically and uh, with with history that that's about a hundred years 
um, old and then uh, of course context that goes far further. Uh, and uh, and then interesting to you know learn about evolution a little more. It's a team I I already followed on social media, but learn about them, learn about um, the soccer tournament, learn about how all of that connects for them, um, for him personally as well. And uh, you know we we talked a little bit as well just about you know his uh, optimism for uh, the uh, the sort of Karen Minnesotan uh, soccer scene, which is one that continues to grow. You see more and more folks from that getting into college programs and that sort of thing or, or playing, you know, say for an NPSL team. Um, and so there's a lot of encouraging stuff going on there. And uh, yeah, it was just great to talk to Mish uh, about all that. So yeah, I, I definitely uh, encourage people to, to check that out. Um, I, I talked about the Patreon, but speaking of interviews, um, this edition of 10K Stoppage Time this week, which is available specifically to our Patreon subscribers, um, is going to be an interview with Samuel Winning. And Samuel Winnings' last name is very, very uh, <laughs> appropriate uh, because he, uh, you know, he took uh, he took a club to new heights this year in the uh, in the NPSL. Uh, Dom, any any additional feedback or anything people should know about that before they plug into stoppage time after we're done with the episode this week? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I definitely suggest people that are able to to, to check out this um, interview first of all, just because. I had a quite long conversation with Sam <laughs> and there are yeah. things that th th this is going to be part of an article as well in the near future. There are things that didn't make the article because it just would have been too long. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, just I like any loved, interview, right? You do yeah. 10 or even if you do 10 minutes, you know, you're, you're right. probably only realistic of pulling three or four quotes from that 10 whole minutes. So right. yeah, for sure. Um, I would have loved to just put the whole transcript up, but like, it's not, that's not how, you know, our content works and stuff. So uh, I definitely suggest checking out. It was a great conversation. Sam's a great guy. He's got a really interesting story. Uh, just, just a quick sort of summarization for for people that don't know that name doesn't quite ring the bell. Sam Winning is is currently the uh, head coach of the Dakota Fusion. He also is a former Twin Stars and Duluth FC player, mm -hmm. and uh, he's a, a Scottish national. Was a goalkeeper for those two teams. Uh, and he's just got a really interesting story, sort of going around the country playing college ball. Um, being part of, he was actually part of the NPSL in Minnesota before the NPSL North was created. That's when he played for the Twin Stars. So he played uh, in the NPSL when Minnesota had one NPSL team, <laughs> uh, which is crazy to think about now. Yeah. But, um, and, and then, of course, he was there for the inception of, of the NPSL North in 2017 with Duluth. He won the, the North Conference with them as one of two keepers that got significant time with the club. And, uh, and and now he's uh, with the Fusion. He was assistant coach last year, um, head coach this year. They had a great season, easily the best season they've had essentially since he played for Duluth in 2017. Yep. And uh, he just talked about all these different angles of that. Of I mean, we talked about coaching against former teams you've played for, and, and you know relationships with different places. How he ended up with the Fusion, how he ended up in Dakota where he also had a, a collegiate assistant coach position for a while. Talk a little bit about what he's doing now, which actually involves a, a D2 assistant position in uh, New Jersey. And he's, there's a lot going on in Sam's life, a lot of interesting stuff. It's a really cool story just of how, um, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of NPSL players or, you know, veterans move into coaching over these last several years. But one, one angle of that, that I think it's really, really cool that I don't know if people always think about is the fact that we now have multiple NPSL North clubs coached by NPSL North players. Um, mm. That is a really interesting dynamic that I don't even think is that common in the league in general. So 
uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it was really cool to sit down with him. Uh, I've sort of known Sam for a long time, although when I sort of got involved with Duluth FC was the season he left, but uh, it was really cool to kind of sit down and chat long for him and, and just learn more about him. And um, whether it be through the audio or the article, I, I certainly um, suggest people join, join in that journey with me. Yeah, and you talk about taking Dakota to new heights this season. It was, I mean, you look at where the Fusion were last year and compared to this year, not just new heights in general, but yeah. sort of the the rut that he was able to help them sort of get out of in, in one short year and being yeah. really, really competitive in the North uh, was was really impressive. So, yeah, I, I cannot recommend that interview enough. Uh, so that'll be our 10K stoppage time segment this week, which you can check out patreon.com slash soda soccer. But as far as the regular podcast goes, Dom, Let's get into this episode 104 and we kick things off with Minnesota United. One of the biggest wins I think maybe in Minnesota United's history um, as far as timing opponents uh, on the road in a new environment. Um, you know, the, the, just the performance they were able to put on. Um, I was, I was really national television. Like it, it, there's a lot of different aspects that made this really, really impressive. Um, two to one win on the road in Nashville sixth road win of the season um this is one of those matches where you come in and you're like okay this could this could go either way you're coming off the all-star break you know you had you had two guys in dane st Clair and amanda reynoso while they didn't play significant time in the all-star game it's still competitive run midweek you're not sure what what you're going to get um the loons have been very very hit or miss on national television this year uh i believe there's a, a three three oh win over the fire and then the 4-4 draw against Portland, um, the stinker against Kansas City, uh, and, and now this win against Nashville. So you didn't really know what you were going to get on that stage with Minnesota United. But they go in in a, in a I say a tough environment. That stadium cannot have been more than half full <laughs> at oh, Geodas yeah. Park. But still, you, you know, Walker Zimmerman, Hani Mukhtar, who we saw, saw, saw score a goal. You know, Minnesota United was able to bunker down and just play solid in almost every area of the pitch. We'll get to some, maybe some of the weakness, some of the chinks in the armor in a little bit, but all in all, I thought just a great all around performance and not just from the performance on the field, but more like the, the mentality and the mental part yeah. of it, that the way they approached the match as well, I thought was just, it was impressive. I was, I came out, I came out of that match for, for whatever reason, a two to one road win. I was just very, very impressed with the performance overall. What, what was your initial reaction from the from the match, Dom? Yeah, you know, I think the way the way you put it just now, just just there, rings rings true for me. It felt very complete. Um, you mm-hmm. saw everything from your starters really showing up, including guys that have had a rough you know month or so, like Dan Sinclair. You know, we talked. Uh, I think it was last episode we talked about. Whether or not he would start and, and all that, obviously the team had a, a rough uh, defensive period and then he did very well in the All-Star game. And I think we both, you know, I think we both uh, thought there was a chance that Miller would be started, but I think we also both thought it would be smart to play Dane. And, um, you know, he he absolutely rode that All-Star bump or whatever you want to say. Yeah. I mean, he had a fantastic performance, sort of performance that he was having sort of mid, mid-year week to week and, and hadn't had in a while he he really showed up but then you have you know impact subs you have um alan benitez really showing up as he's developing albeit you know he had um i think a rough first half first hour but but he showed up bid with with his goal and and of course you know he for the mistakes that he may have made there were some giveaways and things like that at the end of the day they didn't get you know there were not goals um, um 
scored off of them. So um, any, anyway, you know, you had you had uh, uh, Rosales come off the bench, big impact. You know, it just felt like a really strong team performance front to back, uh, which is something we haven't really seen from from Minnesota in a while. So that was very encouraging. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge win. You know, when we uh, drew Nashville, what was it, one one at the start of the year. Uh, that felt like a good result because Nashville is just one of those teams that's hard to beat typically. Um, and, and now to come full circle and get this win on the road in Nashville feels like a, a huge result. Um, the kind of thing that can kind of reset the loons a little bit after a rough patch uh, going into sort of this last stretch of the season or the regular season. So, you know, I, 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 think, it's a, I think it's a huge result. I think it's a, a vindicating result for um, the parts of the team that have had a rough couple of weeks and, uh, I, I think this is this is what you need. Not certainly not what happened in Colorado, but this is what you need to build that momentum uh, for for that final stretch. You need guys plugging in and performing, uh, doing their duties, doing their jobs well, just piece to piece. And we really saw that today again from from goalkeeper to to the forwards. So it was Franco Fragapane opening the scoring in the 27th minute. I mean, he has just been, you talk about individual performances that are impacting the team overall. His his sort of resurgence this year, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but it's been so important to this team. When he is clicking, it takes that pressure off Reynoso, but it also gives Reynoso somebody to, to really, really work with and play off of in that front line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that's seven straight matches with a goal or an assist for Fragapane now. Which is, which is, I mean, you just look at that stat. That's that's pretty incredible, um, yeah. and that that just shows just in, in a nutshell where this front line has come in a couple short months. Um, Nashville do equalize at the hour mark. Look, it's it's Hani Mukhtar. It's a ball that you know sort of squeaks through, and he's right there. He's going to put that away ten times out of ten. Yeah. Um, and then, as you mentioned, it's Benitez who, you know. We talked about his defensive positioning a little bit on the post post-game show, and it was interesting to get Heath's um, take on it, not only in the post-game press conference, but also in training this week, mm. because his answers were a little bit different, and I think that makes sense as you watch the game back on film. Maybe you see some things differently than you do on the sideline, because your view may be obstructed right. at times, or your positioning is a little bit different, but... He mentioned that early in the post-game press conference, he mentioned that he actually thought Benitez's positioning was better against Nashville than it was against Colorado. And, you know, watching the Colorado game back, he was a little bit all over the place. And you can tell there was more of an emphasis on, hey, we got to cover for Allen because this is his first game. You know, he's going to play forward. We know that. Um, And Nashville, like, it wasn't great. There were a couple times where there was wide open runners and headers on the back post. Um, on on Benitez's side but another thing that Heath mentioned in training where he more conceded that that Benitez's positioning wasn't great in the match for the most part he did say that it's going to take some time with Benitez because he's more used to playing in a you know a three back or, or a five back mm. whatever you want to call it where he's yeah. more of a wing back where he has right. additional center back help on his side he doesn't necessarily need to be as defensively minded especially when you're talking about centrally more inside the 18. And you can see that sort of play out where maybe he's just instinctively anticipating more help on that side where when you play a four back, that's just simply not there. Right. Right. Um, So that puts a little bit more context as to why that may have been and why Heath wasn't necessarily pulling the fire alarm on that, because you look at halftime 
And even even Jeff Reuter from The Athletic, who's covered this team for years, says, I don't understand why Benitez is starting over Taylor uh, because his positioning is 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 terrible, basically. Yeah. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But um, and, and so I was feeling that, too. I was like, man, he just, you know, this this maybe should be 2-0 or 2-1 Nashville at half, you know, um, something along those lines. But the way he plays forward, I also think Heath is willing to take those defensive miscues for the impact that Benitez can have in the attack. Because mm. while DJ Taylor had made an impact in the attack, he was, you know, he connected with Kamar Lawrence for a goal against Vancouver. Um, he's done well sending crosses in. You see more of a, a relentlessness from Benitez. Like he is itching to get forward. Like he is more, he's playing more forward than he is defensively. Um, is Benitez and I think and I could be wrong here I'm sort of trying to read the tea leaves a little bit here I think he's very willing to take that with Benitez on the field I think the biggest question for me off of that though is what is that going to be he's consistent go-to then is Benitez now the starter and we're just going to kind of be more attacking focused and we're going to you know, be more apt to play 3-2, 4-3 matches um, if it means that we're going to be pouring goals in and getting that wing back or getting that fullback presence in the attack, you know, upping that even more than we've seen in the past. Does that leave DJ Taylor out? Or do you do you sort of just keep – do you go back and forth? Does does DJ get, get the start against Austin? There's a lot of questions there, but I do think that Benitez's presence in the attack in Heath's mind provides greater value than maybe the defensive defensive hindrance may bring uh, along the back. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 Pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W. had to say. She said, quote, It was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to PenceHomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at Nate at PenceHomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z Homes.com. Also, make sure you let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's PenceHomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z, Homes.com. Um, what are your thoughts, Dom, on Benitez's performance overall and kind of how we might weigh his attacking presence versus what he might give up all along the back? Yeah, you know, it's complicated because everything you're saying is is true, but of course there's the factor of all of this is coming from watching a guy who's brand new to the team too, yeah. right? So true. Yeah. as much as we can, like, I, I, I completely agree with all the points you're making about obviously any transition he may be making from, from a back three or a back five setup to a back four and just different ways teams play. And, and, and positionally, absolutely, there were mistakes against 
uh, Colorado and Nashville. Uh, the Nashville game, I think what really stood out to me was, again, uh, probably a reflection of, of his lack of familiarity. There was several just sort of bad clearances and things like that from him. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I mean, you're saying all that about a guy who's played, you know, yeah. what, less than five between lead and, 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 you know, friendlies and all that, a couple games. Um, Look, I, and know. I fully, I fully, uh, I'm fully aware that most of my point there was, was speculatory, right? I'm, I'm trying to sure. sort of read into it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to maybe look into what, what might be happening in the future with this team. He could, he could lock down his defensive positioning Saturday and be this defensive presence play forward in the attack when it's, when it's required. And suddenly now he's this two way fullback that plays both really well. Um, That could very well happen, but I'm just, from what I see from Benitez, it just seems like he is so forward focused. He is so Mm. attacking focused. He is so like, it, it, it just, looks that way with with how he's able to spring forward and and how willing he is and how he does so so often even when the the timing may not necessarily require or or you know it it may not be the best decision to play so forward and maybe get caught out um he seems to do so now again that may be early on that may be him still being acclimated that may be you know, nervousness and anxiousness on his part, still being new to this team and wanting to contribute and wanting to sort of make a stamp early on. Um, but that's just sort of from what little I've seen. And you're right. It is a small sample size. That's kind of the vibe I'm gathering from Benitez. Yeah. And I, I do wonder if from uh, whether it's specifically the Heath or just the coaching and, and staff in general, um, I do wonder if perhaps what they see as the goal with this is if they can get him acclimated efficiently, then they can have a solution to what uh, a lot of people's complaints have been with this team this season, which is that they get bogged down easily and then lose creativity instantly. Mm -hmm. Right. There's been a lot of complaint, you know, a lot of these like second half comeback wins for the opposition and so on. A lot of, a lot of complaints about, how the team deals with, well, one, how it deals with pressure, but two, how it sort of defends leads and how it, you know, uses its possession in the second half, that sort of stuff. Um, and so perhaps their hope is that if you can take somebody with a much more sort of attacking approach to defending uh, and acclimate them to the system a little bit more, that maybe you could have sort of a, a solution to that um, in your back line. Because, you know, that stuff relies on more than just having good forwards. You need to have a team that's actually structured to move the ball to them in an efficient way, in a timely way, in an effective way. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Taylor was having a really good year. You know, at the same time, for what it's worth, um, Benitez didn't have a great game. And, you know... I, this is all very like taking snapshots of people, but that's, that's, you know, people that are not happy with Benitez are doing the same thing. So, you know, Benitez didn't have a great game. We conceded one goal. DJ Taylor's last start, we conceded four. So, yep. you know, I mean, at a certain point, you can only, if you're going to uh, nitpick one, you got to nitpick the other two. So, you know, it, it, yep. I, I think exactly. that Heath has reason to want to experiment. Um, I don't know if it's going to play out great or not, but 
I can I can see at least the uh, the the reasoning or the the thought behind really wanting to try and get Benitez acclimated and see what he can do. Um, you know, I wouldn't normally think of that as an experiment to run mid year at at right back, but hey, I mean, if you're gonna do well, it, look, you're gonna do it. So. If you're gonna experiment, you have a buffer on the playoff line. It's mid August. You have a month and a half left in the season. You're bringing in, you know, if you want to count Benitez in this new group you're bringing in three new pieces now is kind of a time to experiment now is kind of a time to take a few matches and say okay when we get to october 10th first round of the playoffs what's what's our best what's our best 11 what's our best five off the bench what's that best combination for the time you know is it is is it starting mender garcia is it him making a a, being a super sub off sub off the bench is jonathan gonzalez your six or is he coming off the bench as well? Like, what's your what's your defensive midfield pairing look like? Who plays right back? You have so many different options, and they're good problems to have, but it's something that you need to sort out by the end of the season. Because yeah. if we get to, what's decision day, October 5th, I think? If we get there, and we're still wondering, okay, where do these pieces fit? Who's going to start in the first round of the playoffs? Who's going to be here? You know, then even if you make it to that point and you are, you, you do qualify for your fourth straight playoff run, which is uh, going to be a big accomplishment in and of itself. If you're still asking those questions and nothing's really solidified by by that point, then I think that creates more of a barrier to advancing than it does. Hey, these are still good problems and we have all these options and blah, 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 blah. I think you really need to solidify who plays where, what their role is by that point. And that's going to be tough to do over this next 45 days or so because you have three new pieces bringing in. They're all quality, but you got to sort them out. And so I think now is the time where you can experiment. And if these pieces are as good as we think they are, then even while you're experimenting, you're probably still, you should theoretically still be getting results while you're doing that. Right. Right. So I think, I think you have to start that experimentation now with all three of these guys to really figure out where they factor into this roster best in the short term. Because I do think you have a window here from Minnesota United while, you know, uh, a signing like Mender Garcia is a focus for the future. And I really like that. You have a, you have a real shot to do something this season. You know, FC Dallas got a really impressive one nil win over Philadelphia on Wednesday. So that, you know, may, you know, you may not be third, even if you get a win over Austin this weekend, but you're still, you know, if you get a result this weekend over Austin, you're still putting more, more buffer between yourself and that playoff line. You're still kind of being that top half. You're still in a pull position to host a playoff match. Like you're in a real solid position to do something this year. If you're Minnesota, which obviously didn't seem possible uh, two months ago, but you, you need to determine where these new pieces best fit over this next month and a half before the season's done. Because if you're disorganized with your roster heading into the playoffs, you're going to get picked apart by if they make the playoffs of Portland or yeah. uh, an RSL or a Dallas or, you know, one of these teams who seem to have it figured out and have their roster figured out. While you might have a better 16, 17-man roster overall, if, you, if that roster isn't organized and you're still asking questions about where these guys fit, then you may, you may lose out to some of those more organized clubs. Yeah, absolutely. And like, and like you said, I think that's why, you know, a lot of people are, are – really interested to see in the next you know month or so um 
how much we can see of, of Jonathan Gonzalez, Mendar Garcia, um, guys that we haven't seen at all yet. Well, Gonzalez we saw a little bit uh, against the Nashville, but uh, we haven't seen significant time from either. Uh, and, you know, I suppose one last one last like seedling of an idea to, th- to put out there is just that it is also possible for, for folks that are unsure of how Benitez fits into everything. It's also possible that these signings, you know, interconnect and that Benitez fits into the plan better when those other pieces are also yep. ready to fit into the plan. Um, that's like kind of a ne- nebulous thing to just throw out there, but like, it's possible. I, you know, I wouldn't put it past you know professional coaches and staff and scouts to think of it this way. It's possible that their plan for these guys involves the other two, um, and, and so that there might be you know uh, uh, more to come in terms of how all this fits together, this puzzle. So, yeah, I mean, I I I like what I see from Benitez moving going forward. Defensively, there's work to do, but again, I would expect that from a guy that's being thrown into a, a squad, you know, halfway through the season. Um, on the attack, uh, another he certainly note. has the quality. Yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. Uh, another note, you know, talking about where maybe where Robin Lud fits in, and that's an ever evolving and ever occurring conversation about where Robin Lud fits. Is you know, Will Trap is healthy. Uh, Adrian Heath confirmed that he will be good to go for Saturday. Um, Kervin Ariaga looks good to go for Saturday. Um, you know, so you have your full, you have basically have a full strength defensive midfielder as full strength as you can be right now. Jonathan Gonzalez is going to be good to go for Saturday, obviously. Um, so that's a, another question is, you know, who starts who starts in the defensive midfield? Because Adrian Heath sort of said, he said two different things a little bit when answering the question, I believe it was Andy Grader who asked him, you know, where where do you think Robin Lid fits once all these guys are healthy and ready to go? And he said, well, we can't overlook his, you know, his value to us on the right wing, but Bongi hasn't done anything to lose that spot. Mm. And he's played so well in the central midfield that we could find value in him playing there. So he didn't necessarily answer the question, <laughs> but at the same time, it, it is sort of a, a conundrum. And he mentioned like, you know, that's, that's the hard, hard decisions that I'm paid to make basically right. is, is where these, where these guys best fit in. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Dom, hmm. healthy Robin Ludd, healthy, Jonathan Gonzalez, healthy, Kervin Arriaga, healthy, Will Trap, healthy, Bongi Kalangwani, healthy, Mender Garcia. Who is your defensive midfield pairing and who starts at right wing? it's a tough one. I'm also thinking one thing I'll throw out there quick as a factor to, when you think about this kind of stuff is I feel like maybe he would disagree, but I feel like um, Adrian Heath's squad selection style has often been, I think we've taught this before is once someone shows him that they're worth starting somewhere, he pretty much doesn't yep. remove them until they do something wrong. Um, obviously this has often come up with like the goalkeeping situation, for example. Um, and so to the point of, of the quote you just were mentioning, um, Juan Juan has had a really strong run starting in the last month or so. Um, Lod has been really good in the central midfield role he has. I don't know if it makes a ton of sense to change that. Um, it's, a, it's a weird one because on the one hand, you know, we, we talked uh, probably last week about how Trap um, – was absent obviously for a, those couple of games where we conceded a lot of goals and how that maybe reflects well okay maybe will trap is important to this process and, and avoiding those sorts of games of course that didn't end up being 
necessarily relevant to the national game. Um, but you know that was a, that was a genuine point that was made, and there's probably um, a good rationale to it. Same time, we'll trap start a lot of those games that we lost at the end for no reason. So you know, it's you don't want to be too short sighted about your yeah. your your sample size of when you're looking at how a player affects the game. Uh, we're also obviously talking about a, a player who who earned a lot of yellow cards in a very short period of time. And that's that's another out. point to take into consideration too. Will Trap is only as good as the the time he can give you on the field. Right. Um, when he is stay, playing clean and he is staying out of out of card trouble. If you want to call it that, I don't, yeah. I don't know how else to describe that, uh, for lack of a better term. He, is, he can be a, a huge impact player. And I think we saw in those two 4-4 four, four draws the, the impact that a guy like Will Trapp can have in the, in the midfield. Oh. But the problem is he gets carded so early in these matches that he essentially takes himself and his, you know, his potential value, his potential impact gets really circumvented by those early cards whether he gets uh, accumulation and misses a match or i mean just within the match itself if you pick up a card early it changes the way you need to play moving forward to ensure that you don't get suspended for the next match right so that's another thing to consider too i think at least for this saturday with trap just coming off the injury i probably think we see luden ariaga in the midfield again yeah and i do think this is might be not to put like too much pressure on it but this might be a make or break performance for Robin Lutt. Like if he, if he shows out again and he makes a huge impact and he sort of plays solid once again, I think as you, uh, to your point, Dom, it's his spot to lose. Mm-hmm. But if there's a, if there's some, some miscues, uh, lack of positioning, maybe he, you know, a mistake leads to a goal, you know, something like that, then maybe he goes to trap. Right. Um, so that, or, or Jonathan Gonzalez, maybe Ariaga moves to the eight and he puts Gonzalez at the six. Um, Eli Hoff said on the post game show, he thinks at least long-term when you look after the season, Will Traps, the odd man out. Yeah. And I think if Jonathan Gonzalez proves that he can provide value to this team, I think that's true. Yeah. Um, so, but we will see what happens here in the short term. But I do think that there's a little bit of pressure on Robin Lutz's performance specifically on Saturday. Cause you know, you have all these guys healthy and ready to go. If he wants to keep that spot, then I think he, you know, he needs he needs to have that that performance that you know he's shown he's capable of there yeah. in the midfield. No, I agree, and and I think I guess to answer your original question, I I think I guess this is technically the boring answer, but I I would start on one a uh, uh, load and and Ariaga and have it the context of it be all right. Now we have if any of you don't do well today, we now have a bunch of people on the bench that would love to come in for you. So Austin's a really good team. Let's see how you do today. Show me that there's a reason that I made this decision. And, and you know, it, yeah, it kind of becomes a, a proving ground moment for, for all three in a way. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the way to go, though. I, I don't think it makes a ton of sense to reward a, a really strong win at Nashville with, uh, with dropping players that, that, you know, performed more, more positively than, than negatively. So, yeah. I, I would stick with those three for now. All right. So Austin this weekend, again, they're, they've been playing with fire a little bit lately, specifically at home. Now this one's on the road for them. So I don't know how much that applies, but they were down three, one at half to Kansas city, actually down two nil in the first 23 minutes. And they came back. Sebastian Drucy scores in stoppage time. I mean, he's, he's got the MVP locked up 
if unless he falls off. Um, I think Jesus Ferreira is probably the only one that's in in his stratosphere right now for the MVP. Um, I think Dane should should get some consideration for that. I don't know if he'd be in that upper echelon, but I think he should at least be in the conversation of like a top five. If you're looking at top five MVP candidates right now, personally. But um, in any case, um, Austin comes to town. Obviously, they're second in the West. Um, you're 10 points behind them if you're Minnesota United. Um, so I don't know how realistic it is that you can not only leapfrog Dallas for third, but also try to compete with Austin for second. But if you if you get a win, that's a six point swing, and all of a sudden that doesn't look as impossible with you know the remaining eight games after that. So something to consider. But this is going to be another kind of showcase. It's not on national television, but it's four versus two in the in the West. So it's going to be something a lot of MLS fans just in general are are keeping their eyes on. Um, another opportunity to make a statement. I talked about how impressed I was with the Nashville match. You're back at home at Allianz Field. Um, this is sort of a kind of a, a prove it match of sorts. If you're Minnesota, you, know, you have this opportunity. I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a playoff atmosphere at Allianz for sure. Um, I'm really interested to see how Minnesota comes out, given the momentum that they have, but also the momentum that Austin has too. You know, can they can they put it together? Can they keep that ball rolling? Because if, if they get three points at home against Austin and they're impressive in doing so, all of a sudden that conversation shifts to okay, Minnesota could be pretty good. You know, they're fourth, you know, they've had a good season. Maybe they can make some noise in the playoffs too. Oh shit. This, this loons team is legit. If they right. can get a, if they can get a, a, a win and it, it's kind of silly how one result can sort of change that narrative or enhance that narrative a little bit, but it's true. Like if they, if they go out and get it, get another impressive win against Austin, people on the national stage are really going to start turning their heads towards Minnesota as an MLS cup contender. Yeah, well, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, obviously, it's one game, but at the same time, I mean, the playoffs are all one game at a time, too. It's, you know, mm-hmm. at a certain point, you got to read into uh, when teams that are in contention for those spots play each other. So, yeah, Austin's had a, a remarkable year and, and frankly, uh, probably uh, forced uh, all these other Western Conference teams that have existed for more than two or three years to uh, to look at themselves and <laughs> think about how to how to be better for 2023. But I mean, Austin's been so impressive this year, uh, home and away, just finding ways to win or, or finding ways to get a point when, when necessary. Uh, There's going to be a big test, uh, you know, while winning four, three, obviously comes with uh, issues. Obviously, there were aspects of that game that didn't go well for Austin. Uh, at the same time, that's a huge momentum boost. That's a huge morale boost to get a, get that win at the end there. So I'm sure that they will be feeling really good generally um, about where they're at. Uh, and obviously being in second place is, is fun. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a really interesting game. Hopefully um, the Loons figure that one out. Hopefully, the like you said, the atmosphere and all that, you know, sort of reflects the importance of the game. Uh, I, I think that, you know, both teams are kind of coming from really good um, mental moments with with these mm-hmm. wins against Nashville and, and SKC, so um, it'll be a really interesting test. And you know, even if it it's one of those games, if it results in a in a draw or a loss for Minnesota, it's certainly not the end of the road or anything like that. But getting points in this game, like you said, really does provide some extra reason to be hopeful about what this Loons side will look like in the playoffs what it can do damage wise to particularly a higher seed team if that ends up being the draw. Um, so 
yeah, again, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a big one. Uh, it's going to be a big stage for whoever does get picked to start. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see, one, if the Loons can start well, but two, as we saw that SKC game, Austin clearly can respond to the second half. So yep. it'll be an interesting game, really full 90, to watch how Minnesota handle um, this match and how Adrian Heath manages, you know, playing a team that he, he has very direct evidence to, to know, okay, well, whatever I do to them in the first 45, they'll be ready to respond. So, um, yeah, it would just be very interesting to see how the game goes. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at Night Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista. I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at Night Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at Night Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at Night. 9th Street MPLS, that's 9th and Street, both spelled out. N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google or visit their website, 9thStreetMPLS.com, just like the uh, social handles, N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at 9th Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South 9th Street, Minneapolis, or online at ninthstreetmpls.com. Yeah, just as a win would really start to maybe solidify Minnesota as a, an odds-on contender in people's minds. A loss maybe would say, okay, no, not the end of the world, but maybe we know this team's ceiling. Maybe, maybe we know, maybe we know where they where they truly stand, and maybe it's not at that top echelon. So, um, yeah, it's it's a, like I said, it's a big prove it game for Minnesota. Uh, Saturday, 7 p.m. at Allianz Field. Post Loons coming your way from the Allianz Field press box with yours truly after the match. So I'm um, pretty excited about that. Um, so make sure you're checking us out. So uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, just search Soda Soccer when you're on YouTube. We're actually four subscribers away from being able to have a specific URL. So I don't have to say go to YouTube and search Soda Soccer. I could just say youtube.com slash Soda Soccer. So if four of you, just four of you who don't already subscribe to our YouTube channel, go and subscribe. I will be able to more cleanly direct others to the YouTube channel uh, for more of that content moving forward. But you can also check that out on uh, the uh, Soda Soccer Twitter as well, at Soda SOC. And if you can't tune in live, we'll have that on our podcast feed as well. Um, going down to the twos, as we call them, MNUFC2. Uh, they come back for a two to one win over Tacoma at the NSC to stay on the edge of the playoff picture uh, goals from AZ Jackson, who else and new Loney Sagir Arce uh, from Liga MX. Uh, he's, you know, he was a bit, kind of a big signing from a new UFC two with that Liga MX experience. Um, and he comes in and makes an impact right off the bat and getting what ended up being the winner for Minnesota uh, uh, there in the match. So, um, I've been, I've been really impressed with what this, um, MNUFC two team has done, given that it's only their first year in MLS next pro. There are so many other clubs who have had these reserve teams in place for so long. Um, and what Minnesota is able to do in this first year, not just from a, a, a team performance standpoint, being right on the edge of the playoff picture, potentially getting into the playoffs in their first year, 
But just like from an individual quality standpoint, it's nice to see guys like Tommy Williamson making an impact. AZ, AZ Jackson, obviously, um, you, you see ours come in and, and, and make an impact right off the bat. Um, it's, it's, it's encouraging for the future, right? And I think that's one thing we wanted to see from this second team is can we see the, those seeds planted for guys who can really make an impact in the first team in two or three years? I think AZ Jackson's one year away. I think 2023 is a big year for him to make an impact on the first team. Um, guys like Tommy Williamson, uh, maybe it's a, a couple of years down the line, but um, it's we've seen a lot of encouraging signs from an, from this MNUFC two team, which I think at the end of the day is all we really wanted to see as Loons fans. Yes, it's great if they get into the MLS next pro playoffs and, and do that from a team standpoint, but I, I don't want to necessarily throw that out the window completely as not being relevant, but I think what we more want to see as Minnesota United fans and people who follow this team is, you know, are there pieces who we could see, you know, really helping Minnesota take that next step in one, two, three years. And I think those are definitely in place with the second team. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, this and I agree whether or not the, the playoff uh, qualification works out this year. I think that this this project has done what it was supposed to do in the short term and and hopefully continues to do so with with, with continued effort. I mean, it's a really impressive season. We've seen a lot of individual players really impress. Uh, it, it is worth noting that you, you mentioned that obviously a lot of other teams have been doing this a lot longer. I mean, the the conference that that. Minnesota United two are in literally includes a former USL championship team and a former winner of league one. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, some of the organizations that they're competing with are just way more experienced in doing this. Um, some even at a higher level of the pyramid. So, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a, a huge challenge, but it's, it's worked out more often than it hasn't. They had a little rough patch kind of uh, maybe a month ago or so where, you know, they dropped some points. And, and so they're a little bit out of the playoff picture, but certainly possible for them to get back into it. Uh, and again, even if they don't, the, the development experience that people like Jackson and McMaster and uh, Paddleford, you know, all these guys that have been able to get Leatherman um, is, is so, so huge. It's so invaluable. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, just beyond anything the team was able to do before, frankly, yeah. when you don't have a reserve side, the, this is physically impossible to do. Uh, yeah. You don't get to give these guys minutes. You can loan them, but you know that is not always a solution to the problem. Uh, and and it, it does mean that they are out of your system. They're out of your bubble. You don't get to move, you know have them interact with the first team the way that you you could uh, open cup matches that sort of thing. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that this project is working. I think that they should continue to invest in it. I think that it's putting together some players that in a couple of years could very much be a part of the first team. Uh, and uh, and otherwise, you know, could certainly at least become pieces that are interesting to follow and and, and maybe move around. But uh, yeah, again, I, I, I'm really glad that this, um, that Minnesota pursued having an MLS Nets pro team. Uh, and I, I'm glad to see that we're seeing all these pieces develop there, including local pieces like like uh, Manuel Eway and and Loic Masanvi recently. You know, seeing that connection to Minnesota players as well is great. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I it would be great if they can uh, manage that that playoff berth, but whether or not that happens, I, I think that this this first year has been uh, more of a success than not. 
there's one point of criticism that I've seen that I think is is actually very, very valid. You ready for this? Mm. Why the hell were we doing this sooner? Yeah. <laughs> Caden yeah. Clark, Isaiah LaFleur. Yeah. What the no, hell? That's true. That's yeah. true. And I, I, I mean, and, and Adrian Heath has said as much, you know, he gets asked about the second team every now and then he's like, look, we've lost some really some pieces that could have been really, really valuable to this organization because we didn't have a reserve team in place sooner. And that's that's always been a point of contention with the ownership is like they ne- didn't necessarily see the value in having a reserve team. Didn't think the the when doing the cost benefit analysis of it. They didn't necessarily see the benefits versus the cost. So it's very, very interesting that just, what, four months into having this reserve team, all of a sudden we're seeing a lot of potential benefits right off the bat. So, uh, yeah, but uh, all, all, all positive signs. Not, not, to, not to go too down the negative rabbit hole there, but uh, seven-point gap from the last playoff spot with five games to go. So definitely not out of the picture just yet. Um, and if they continue playing, look, Tacoma was the top team in the league coming into this too. Um, so really impressive win. And if, uh, if Minnesota can win out or, or get a majority of, uh, you know, get three points in a majority of these matches, they will give themselves a chance to make the playoffs, which is, uh, you know, could be very, very interesting to keep track of if they do so. Um, other news, the likes of FC Minneapolis and Ebisua, now Twin City FC. So they've sort of rebranded, um, are hosting trials to join their roster for the 2022 Minnesota Fall Cup. Always a fun competition there. Um, trials are spread, are spread across the last week or so of August. So if you're a local player listening to this and you want, you know, a team to, to play for this fall, or you're looking to get some run in this fall, um, you know, check these trials out, um, FC Minneapolis and, uh, Twin City FC, just do a Google search. Um, you can follow FC Minneapolis on Twitter at FC Minneapolis and get all the information there for theirs. Um, but definitely some options if you want to, if you want to play this fall, um, Bavarian's WPSL veteran, Hannah Coppa. Um, has signed with Club Condexia, uh, who were relegated from the women's second tier of Portugal last season. So um, another kind of player with local ties that is uh, is going in and playing professionally international, which is uh, very, very cool. Um, and then the WPSL as a whole have named Sioux Falls City the Northern Conference Franchise of the Year. And I think that's very, very, um, that, that, that's a good choice <laughs> by, by WPSL. What Sioux Falls City was able to do in their first year, not only on the field, they had a really impressive year. Obviously, they didn't win the conference, but they, they got a few big wins and were right there at the end of the season. But sort of the the way they embraced the community and the way they sort of um, were able to market themselves and were able to kind of gain that following within the community. Um, it was sort of a, the WPSL version, I think, of what happened with Minnesota Aurora here. Now, while Aurora was on a much bigger scale, I do think Sioux Falls City was able to capture that community in a in a similar way um, there in Sioux Falls. Um, so that that soccer community continues to grow. Sioux Falls City, a major part of that. And I think very, very appropriately named that franchise of the year. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was really cool to see Sioux Falls City bring that, that energy to uh, the, the Northern Conference and the WPSL. With all due respect, it was sort of an energy that the, the conference didn't quite have any of the teams, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of teams that were, that were more, you know, sort of focused on, on the pitch and didn't quite have that large community connection yet. I'm sure they're all working on that, but it was cool to see Sioux Falls sort of step up and really create something. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was r- really great, really great to see uh, them get acknowledged for that by the league. 
Um, yeah, you know, this year they had a competitive team, didn't quite challenge in the end for the title, although I'm, I'm sure they're hoping to improve on that for next year. Uh, and yeah, it, it, that's an exciting club to know is in the mix up here, uh, to know that you have a side that has ambition and, and, and quality on and off the pitch, uh, bringing something to an area that doesn't, you know, did not currently have a presence in, in women's soccer at that level. So uh, yeah, again, just really cool. Congratulations to them on, on the extra accolade. Uh, and very, very interested to see what they uh, can bring in 2023. And then finally, in the uh, Minnesota Amateur Soccer League, the MASL, we talked about how Camargo FC was in the clubhouse with the with the points lead, with Force FC having to play their final game against Stegmans. Well, if you want to continue the golf analogy, Force birdied that final that final hole and um, got the win over Stegmans in that final matchup. So they are your MASL Division One champions. Big congrats to them. Uh, Dom and I will finish things up with our top four in just a bit. But right now, it is interview time. Mish from Twin Cities Karen Community Club Evolution FC joins the show. Great interview there with Dominic. And then we will get into our top four right after. So stick around. Hey everybody, this is Dominic from Soda Soccer. Just a quick intro to what you're going to be hearing here. So I sat down with uh, Mish from Evolution FC, which is a uh, Karen uh, soccer team, a community soccer team that recently won uh, the soccer tournament held in parallel with uh, Karen Martyrs Day, which was uh, by the time you listen to this, probably about a week ago. So uh talk to Mish about uh, Martyr's Day, the nature of, of that sort of uh, uh, community day, uh, national holiday, to, in, in a sense, a historical day. Uh, talk to him about uh, evolution and, and obviously being part of the tournament, why they play soccer, why they enjoy soccer. And uh, yeah, just sort of touched on a couple different things. Uh, Mish provided some 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 useful history and context for for all of this, which was uh, great to add to the mix. Um, and otherwise, you know, talked a little bit about about the future, about uh, uh, his hopes and Evolution's hopes for the continued development of the game in Minnesota, and certainly with the the current community. Uh, so, if if you wanna learn more about Evolution. Uh, that you can find them on, on some social media. I know they're on Instagram, for example, at uh, Evo Football, E V O Football, um, and uh, you can check out what they're up to. But uh, yeah, uh, thank you to to Mish for the time. Hope you enjoy. Uh, it was just a quick conversation, time about a couple things, but hopefully you learn. So uh, thank you for listening and have a good day. Thanks for uh, the opportunity to speak with you. Very kind of you to reach out. Yeah, no problem, man. You know, um, I I follow uh, you guys on on Instagram and just you know see every now and then what you're up to. And and I I like to use um, one thing I like to do with the the position I'm in is to kind of highlight uh, these sort of pockets and corners of of soccer in Minnesota that maybe people don't know about. And and so you know uh, the fact that there's you know this. Obviously, this this important day, and then also this soccer tournament kind of happening with it, just seemed like a cool thing to uh, to highlight. So yeah, I, I appreciate you uh, getting me on the phone to a short notice and, and being willing to talk about it. 
Yeah, for sure. And um, I, I appreciate that a lot. Uh, and I do feel like um, uh, a good opportunity for us, especially because, you know, we're still a growing community. And, um, you know, there's, um, and soccer is very prevalent in our community and uh, where we come from. And so um, just to highlight that and, and to, like, you know, your audience, it actually is, it means a lot, you know, um, and it'll help grow the sport in our community. And, will help grow our you know, presence to other people outside of our own community or bubble. So thank you a lot for doing that. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. So, you know, well, we'll it's a pretty straightforward uh, uh, line of questions. Obviously, it, it's about uh, evolution a little bit and then, and then about the, the tournament and, and Martyr's Day and, and all that. So um, I guess we'll just start with, can you uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, the uh, well, what uh, Karen Martyrs Day is, um, the the history of of, of that uh, that day or that celebration a little bit, uh, and then of course how you know the the history of maybe this this soccer tournament that goes along with it. So, just to give you some context, um, like the Karen or our Karen people. Um, or in our native tongue, it's pronounced Kenya. So Karen is just um, what the British colonizers gave us the name for us. Um, but yeah, anyways, our Karen people are indigenous people in Southeast Asia, um, borders of, or in the countries of sorry, in Thailand and Burma, which is now called Myanmar, um, after the, uh, the Burmese military um, like seized or cruised that took over the country, so they renamed it to Myanmar. Um, and some history about the current people is we aided the British during World War Two, and and many of their our current people, you know, were killed in the efforts. Um, and on August twelfth, uh, in nineteen fifty, um, and I can send you um, kind of like. Uh, this recognition, it's just, uh, it's actually just today, or not today, but like recently, but um, the city of Roseville um, commemorated August 12th as Martyr's Day, or recognized it as Martyr's Day on paper. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you on, on Instagram later, but yeah, just to give you some context about that is uh, August 12th uh, is when um, our current national leader, his name is and I'll give you the paper after so you'll know what I'm talking about. He's sure. kind of like the founder and president of Crime National Union, or abbreviation KNU. Um, he was assassinated uh, with eight of his colleagues in one uh, of state, in, 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 in Ukraine state, uh, which is in Burma, by the Burmese army. So ever since then, August 12th has, is, is recognized as Crime National Martyrs Day. Um, and on Martyrs Day, Karen people all over the world commemorate and honor fallen leaders, soldiers, civilians that have lost their lives through the struggles for freedom, democracy, and human rights. Um, and in Minnesota alone, there are more than 20,000 Karen refugees who now call Minnesota their home, making it, one, making it the largest Karen community in the country. And, and especially uh, in St. Paul, Rosa, and a lot of districts. Um, refugees have made you know uh, these areas or the neighboring cities their homes. Um, 
So just that, this is a bit of context that I'll send you this uh, commemoration uh, after this call. Um, so yeah, just uh, the music that's pretty much, um, you know, the the reason why we celebrate Father's Day every August uh, around you know, 12. Um, so yeah, uh, like credit communities uh, from, from you know, every state uh, that have a you know, population, they celebrate their own Father's Day. Um, so they just host uh, sports events, um, cultural uh, dances, traditions. Um, just It's pretty much just a gathering or a festival. Uh, I guess now for the communities to uh, participate in sports, just to honor uh, our heroes back at home, uh, which is called Gokule, which is a uh, which is a state in Burma. How long has um, evolution been taking part in in like so, that? So but, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so so evolution is uh, um, you know among other team or local Korean community teams in Minnesota. Um, we we started um, back in twenty twelve with just a group of friends, um, just to you know continue. Um, participating in the community events, um, and not just in Minnesota, but also like uh, traveling outside of Minnesota to neighboring uh, cities um, to compete with other uh, local Korean teams. Um, so yeah, just to, you know, to, to participate in community events, tournaments, uh, festivals, um, and also to, um, you know, play the beautiful game, which is soccer. and um, that's um, something a lot of us uh, started, or a lot of us that grew up in the U.S. or in Minnesota um, were afforded to do because outside of you know, playing in our communities, a lot of us you know, do play, uh, have played in you know, local like um, clubs, like um, youth soccer associate club, you know, so youth soccer associate clubs, um, like uh, Thunder Academy, Blackhawks, um, uh, yeah, this matter. So, so a lot of like uh, our uh, youth that grew up in Minnesota playing soccer have also been fortunate enough to experience local soccer as well, and also have experience you know uh, playing collegiate uh, level, uh, semi pro level, and, uh, and obviously we're still growing, and a lot of uh, our youth, young adults, still. Uh, you know, play outside of our community as well um, to further, you know, experience and um, get the highest level of training and competition and, um, uh, yeah, and, and, and playing in, in our community, having teams like Evolution and um, other teams like Young Star, Corpule, We Are One, it's just to be able to uh, compete, uh, in our community and play uh, soccer at the highest level we know. Um, and, and apart from Martyrs Day, there's, you know, so many other tournaments that I talked about, like just, um, that we participate in, in our community. Um, and evolution, um, yeah, it's just it's just a community team. We community we compete in community events, um, and it's just 
now to provide an opportunity for a lot of the youth and young adults to continue playing uh, among each other uh, and to preserve um, competition and provide uh, the next generation something to do uh, because you know soccer is still a growing sport in our community and uh, even our tournaments there's still growing competitions and um, and I feel like it's you know it's evolving, it's growing, and um, hopefully, hopefully um, you know it gets better in terms of like organization. But obviously, you know, in order, in order to get better, you need more resources. You need more. Um, you need more resources. You need more exposure. You need more uh, organization um, to provide those or to give resources and to make it better. So. Yeah, that's just a little bit of um, something about evolution and our community teams and our community events. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think one thing that's um, interesting to me about uh, stories like this one uh, is, you know, when you have that combination of, uh, like you said, you know, evolutions, organization, trying to, you know, keep people active, keep people busy, give them a way to, to express themselves and play soccer. And you have that happening and then you have it in this, this frame or, or context of, a, uh, you know, a, in this case, a, a tournament where it's all about the sort of um, retrospective and celebration and, and, and exploring, you know, a community and, and that sort of thing. And, I guess I'm curious uh, for you and, and, and however much you feel comfortable, you know, speaking for for others and other players and all that, you know, what what is that experience like, um, you know, combining, obviously, you, you, you love playing soccer, clearly you're very dedicated to that, and combining that passion with, um, you know, what, what is clearly a very important day for your community, uh, historically, but also just again, you know, retrospectively in, in modern time. Obviously, it's a it's a conflict that uh, is still happening. So, what what is what is the co combination of that passion and also that sort of community exploration like uh, for you to experience? Yeah, so I'll try to kind of like break it down. Um, um, so you're asking what. Um, how does like sports like soccer and like other sports like volleyball, uh, women's soccer play into uh, this event called Martyrs Day? Is that correct? Yeah, sure. And right, how does it play into it? And also, just sort of, I guess, um, I don't know, emotionally, like, what is that experience like to have both those things happen together yeah. and combine? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I think the sports that we play, soccer, volleyball women's soccer, no, not like cane ball, um, those are like a lot of the sports prevalent in our community because um, it's recognized internationally and, you know, back home where we come from, we still participate in those sports. So, and with Martyrs Day, um, we honor, um, you know, our uh, like martyrs or soldiers or people or civilians or people who sacrifice um, us back in our homeland and even today they are still serving we honor them by you know um being able to showcase you know or play or participate in these 
sports um, and it's 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 significant for us because um, it's one of the ways we express ourselves or come together as a community um, to be able to express ourselves and um, showcase you know a lot of the talents for participants in our community and showcase um, the things our youth or young adults love to do uh, not only in the U.S. but you know, around the world. Um, so yeah, more so it is um, more to bring the community together and give them, provide something to do. Um, and you know that there's a lot of other ways to honor our martyrs or recognize them, but with this event and with sports combined, it just gives a lot of like the youth and adults and elders, leaders, um, to come together and be able to do something together as a community and also extend that to other communities um, and um, give them exposure to our community and uh, give them <clears throat> something to see the progress in our community and what we are working for and are achieving or have achieved and our you know hopes and dreams um, for our people and for the people within or, or that are you know, still going inside of the U.S. I think sort of my my last sort of broad question just is you know as as a outsider uh, who uh, in in my my time writing has sort of uh i've i've bumped into this 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 community and world of of soccer in the trend community a, a couple times just through different things different stories um and, and every time that i uh interact with it or encounter it there's always something really interesting and, and really promising you know going on for you you know fresh off of this this tournament that you know, obviously you guys did well in, and, and this opportunity to, to celebrate and, and, and think back on uh, your community and your history um, through soccer. Are you, uh, and, and you touched on this a little bit, you were mentioning, you know, youth programs and stuff. Um, you know, are you optimistic about what um, the future of, of uh, Karen Minnesotans in soccer looks like? You know, obviously you've got guys that are uh, uh, doing doing well at s certain levels and 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 the KFA and all these sorts of organizations that are growing and popping up. Um, so, do you, you know what what is sort of your outlook on the future of of how this this uh, this pocket of 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 soccer, this Karen Minnesotan soccer experience, how that's going to continue to grow? Yeah, <clears throat> you know, I definitely want to see a lot of. Um, you know, soccer is still going on, but I do want to see a lot of our youth and young adults um, to pursue higher level soccer and not just limit it to our own like, community and just, you know, always have hunger or desire to challenge themselves, you know, academically and, and at a collegiate level and hopefully to pursue higher level soccer because, you know, that's where I feel like you... Um, create more exposure for your community and yourself and you know your talents is by is by pursuing uh, high level soccer um like a, like d1 d2 or d3 or any other 
professional soccer. So that's kind of like um, my hopes and desire for the community. Um, and hopefully they don't just, you know, be limited to their own and be limited by resources or feel discouraged to pursue higher level soccer because, you know, like growing up as a youth in Minnesota playing club soccer, it is expensive. You know, like, um, you do need like, scholarships to be able to travel, play club soccer. Um, if, you know, your family, you know, can't support, um, and, and a lot of times that, you know, can discourage, um, progress and a lot of times, uh, how I see it is there have been a lot, like many players, you know, good, good, good potential, um, that can definitely play, you know, collegiate or high level, but, you know, with limited resources and sometimes they have to support their families, you know, they just feel discouraged and, um, don't pursue high level soccer. Uh, and I just hope, you know, there are, with the growing sport or the growing sport in our community, is that there will be more resources, opportunities, um, for players to pursue and seek so that it can, that it can take them to the next level if they choose to desire. Um, even if it's just, you know, college collegiate, but hopefully we can have, you know, a grand professional one day or a grand person to represent like, our people at the highest level possible. Um, because that would be very significant, um, just for, you know, presence and recognition that, you know, there are talented and potential players in our community that can compete at the highest level. So that is something I hope to see. And, and, and you mentioned KFA. Yeah. That's, you know, something that hasn't been done before and, and uh, they're still growing and they're still growing and, you know, with just what the work that they're doing, and not just men's, but also women's and youth and young adults that's continuing that's growing the sport in our community and that's growing the presence for us in outside of our community as well and yeah that's something i'm optimistic about is that you know we can take what we play in our community um, and build it or push players to reach new levels um, which will hopefully you know make our community events, tournaments, festivals, better organized um, and drawing, you know, more people uh, from all over. And yeah, I'm very optimistic about that. Well, that's great to hear. And uh, I, you know, I, I think I am too. I know less about it than you, I think, but I, I'm optimistic as well. I think that there's a lot of great, um, great projects going on. So that that's really encouraging to see. Big thanks to Mish from Evolution FC for joining the show this week. Um, obviously, a lot of good things always happening in the uh, Karen community as far as soccer goes. That that Karen community is such a big part of the Twin City soccer community. And um, Dom, you've done a great job of covering it through various articles on uh, on the website, sodasoccer.com. And uh, really good to have that representation on the podcast this week as well. All right, top four time. Um, I will, uh, I will start it off because this to me was like the funniest thing that happened all weekend. Um, so we talked a bit about how Austin FC came back to beat sporting KC four to three on, uh, on Saturday night. Well, there is a, uh, a, a streamer. His name's Kevin Lopez. Basically he goes on YouTube and he streams himself watching the sporting Kansas city matches. And this guy is hilarious. He's very entertaining, does a great job, but the highlights of his reaction to the second half against Austin are absolute gold. 
and you have to go check this out. He's at four B four B TV. I think, let me, let me try to find his Twitter handle. I should have put it in the notes here. Um, <laughs> this guy is, the, the, he, he's funny. You think, Oh, another live streamer. He's basically just trying to make money watching, you know, having people watch him oh, watch yeah. soccer. Where's the entertainment in that? Uh, no, this guy's, this guy's legit. This guy's hilarious. He's entertaining at four BTV media on Twitter. Uh, go follow him. And then just, I think gotta be, I mean, people are quotes. He's, he's been, he's been quote tweeted by the Cooligans, men and blazers. <laughs> like there are a lot of people in the national MLS ranks taking notice of this kid and how funny he is. So uh, make sure you go follow him. But that also brings to mind uh, also on Saturday, it was, it was the day of meltdowns for uh, fan live streams uh, because <laughs> earlier in the day, there is a, a streamer for Manchester United. Now I did a quick Twitter search and I just saw it come across my timeline earlier this week and, and I cannot find who exactly it is. Evidently he's really popular uh, in the Manchester United fan scene. Uh, but I cannot, I cannot find, uh, find his Twitter account or anything to save my life. But there is a Manchester United live streamer who does a similar thing. He, he streams himself watching the Man United matches. And of course it was a four nil meltdown uh, against, uh, against uh, Brentford. And his quotes from the stream are being taken and they're now sounds on TikTok that people are using and it's going viral. There was one, I wish I had the audio to play. I'm going to, I'm going to do a terrible British accent here. So I apologize. Disclaimer. But he's like, the, the fourth goal goes in and he goes, you can't do this. You can't do this. And so that is now like a viral, <laughs> a viral sound on TikTok. Just hilarious. Um, I love, I love these fan accounts and, and how, how into it they are and how passionate they are about their clubs. But uh, unfortunately it's even funnier when the teams are just having atrocious performances. Uh, that's really what brings the entertainment value out. <laughs> and we saw that for both sporting Kansas city and Manchester United on Saturday. So um, yeah, good, good times all around, at least for us neutrals. It's, it's always fun to watch fans of teams you don't support have, have uh, <laughs> yes. meltdowns over random, random shit that's going on. That, that that's yes that's a really good time i have to admit guilty pleasure i used to indulge in some some arsenal fan tv yeah. uh from week to week during sort of the i mean now they're having a good season but in the last couple of years obviously there's been some rough years uh, i i used to indulge a little bit in that uh just because some of that stuff is just too funny um my uh my, my first uh top four is um it's just a sort of an update i believe i'm mentioned this like maybe three weeks ago on a top four that uh kapatu who i've i've read an article for so soccer before about hopefully people uh ring rings a bell uh he had been trialing with some some teams in thailand to figure out where he's you know where his home's going to be for this season uh having played pro there last year that's what the article was about and uh one of the teams that he was trialing with he, he's now secured uh the contract for for the season that's kanchanaburi city okay. uh they're a newly uh they're newly promoted for the season from the fourth division. Nice. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I, you know, I know his, his long-term hopes is certainly to climb um, that ladder, but it seems like a promising club. They, they actually won a friendly with the second division team recently that he played in. Um, so it seems like a, a good project to, to jump in with. And that's an, uh, another season in the third tier, which is certainly not uh, certainly a, a sign of progress for him coming from obviously having no pro experience over here. So, uh, yeah, just uh, just a shout out to him uh, as he sort of sets up his uh, his plans for for the 22-23 uh, season. 
my second thing that we talked about, you know, it being fun when, when your team is the, is not the one that's having the issues. Well, I mean, Everton is my team certainly having some issues early on in the season. Um, you know, the losing two one to Aston Villa over the weekend. Uh, and of course, uh, their only goal came from a player who doesn't play for them anymore. Uh, Luca Digne with the, uh, the own goal, uh, if you will. Um, and, uh, it's funny because he hasn't played for the team in like six months, but he was on Everton last season and yeah. he's the one who has scored for us. He's scored the only goal in two matches for us and he doesn't <laughs> even play for us. So thank you for that, Luca. Uh, but, uh, so now, you know, we, we talk, you know, it's very known the financial situation this team has found itself in. Um, if they do get relegated, it's going to be an even bigger dumpster fire. So they, they need to stay up. Like the goal for Everton this season is just simply stay up. But they also are really strapped financially. And I think the 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 front office has done a great job of trying to do the most with the money they have and oh. sort of moving around the finances in a legal way, unlike Barcelona, who doesn't have money, <laughs> but tried to make fake money to yeah. pay players uh, that they can't live up to the payments on. Everton is not doing that. So it's not, it's not that it's not that level of fraud, but they are finding ways to to not manipulate, but work around some of the financial barriers that they currently have to bring in players. Uh, Onana got his uh, debut over the weekend, but um, so they, they need some cash basically. And so they are hearing out offers basically. Um, one of those offers is for Deli Alley, who, you know, hasn't really been relevant in four or five years. I think Everton fans were kind of hoping with the signing that maybe he can at least find some semblance of the form that he had when he was in his, in his heyday with Spurs um, hasn't, hasn't come off early on. He's gotten some time off the bench, probably should have scored in the Chelsea match, um, but didn't. So Chelsea and Everton are hearing offers. I believe that they got him on a free, I believe. So any money they make off of him is, is profit. Um, and so it looks like Basikis from Turkey, who you may recognize are consistently in the champions league and, and things like that. Um, uh, evidently they've made a $10 million offer for Deli Alley. Um, no word yet on if Everton uh, are accepting that or are looking for a counter offer. But the bigger one is for Anthony Gordon. Now, this is one that really has Toffee fans torn because if we're going to stay up, Anthony Gordon's going to be a major part in that. But at the same time, if the offer is big enough for the kid, you're in a financial situation where you all, you have to consider it. If you are, right. if you're Everton. So Chelsea have made a $50 million offer reportedly for Anthony Gordon um, and Everton declined that initial offer, but they are sort of still in negotiations. So if Chelsea comes back with a bigger offer that Everton deems more appropriate, Anthony Gordon may be going to Chelsea. So um, it's just interesting for Everton fans right now. I know we got a lot of Toffee fans listening who, uh, who follow us on Twitter and stuff. So um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's uncertain times to say the least for us and as teams who are picked to finish near the bottom are getting results i.e leads and and nottingham forest it's and everton very much not getting results early on um things are not looking good so i just wonder what the future holds yeah this it's it's a tough one it's a really complicated situation they find themselves in well, actually, two things. First of all, on the Barcelona note that you made earlier, yeah, I think it's funny when people get really excited about Barcelona signing announcements because it's like, yeah, but they're not going to be able to register them. So it doesn't, <laughs> they're trying, they're trying to have their current players take pay cuts 
so they yeah. can go and try to sign new players. And that just, that just doesn't work. That and La Liga work. this year seems to be much less willing to work with it than they were last year. So, yeah. But well, anyway. They, they, they openly, like, ignored La Liga's rules yeah. Yeah. for her finances. Like, they just didn't, didn't pay attention to it. It's wild. Look it up. Go, I think goal.com has a really good expose yeah. on it, but just search Barcelona finances. And I'm sure, I'm sure the first story yeah. that pops up will be one that outlines it. It is, it is wild. But um, with on, on the Everton note, just put, yeah, you know, it, it's always that conundrum of, of do you go for the money or do you go, hope that these players will, will just sort of turn up eventually and, and get you some extra points that you need. Um, I think Deli Ali is probably the one of the two that people would be more okay with, with moving as he kind of said. Um, of course, he's the one going for less, so that's maybe less useful. But uh, it's it's a complicated one. You know, with with him, I I think, and a lot of people have been saying this. There's that famous clip from whatever the Spurs documentary for Amazon was, like a, a year or two ago, of mm-hmm. uh, Jose Mourinho kind of giving him like a pep talk about like his career and how he needs to sort of change his his approach and all this stuff. And if he doesn't, you know, things are going to start to wind down a lot quicker than. Deli Ali probably thought they would. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of people that don't like Jose Mourinho. I think a lot of those people are, are maybe a little misguided, maybe spending a little too much time on Twitter. But um, I, I think we're seeing that literally physically happen. <laughs> we're literally yeah. seeing, we're literally seeing, you know, the move to Everton is a respectable move. I mean, you're saying the Premier League, it's, it's not a small club. That's okay. But for it to not go well, and then what, a year later, you're off to Turkey with all due respect to the, the Turkish Super League, which is a good league, but certainly not where Dele Ali probably saw himself going at this mm-hmm. age. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's interesting to see that all kind of play out uh, almost like Mourinho was writing the script. Um, so anyway, hopefully Everton figure that out. Um, I, I would rather they not get relegated. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how this, how the season goes. Guys um, continue to get opportunities to revive his career, though. Like if if, if he stay, if he stays at Everton and this move doesn't work, if he can be part of that that squad and play a factor in Everton staying up and staying in the Premier League and surviving, um, right. and he plays a big attacking part in that, you know, getting double digit goals or whatever, like that's going to put him right back on the map for some of those top clubs. Now, if he go if he does go to Besiktas and you know they they're consistently in the Champions League. If if he performs well on that stage, let's say let's say they do make it again, they qualify again, and he he you know is able to get a lot of playing time and and perform well. Well, all of a sudden now he's getting looked at again. So it's not necessarily the end of the road, but but something's got to change for him. And I, I hope I hope that either we get good money for him, or that change happens in an Everton uniform and he can play a factor in in the season. But uh, we will very much see. All right, Dom, that's the end of my Everton. Uh, I'm getting off the Everton soapbox here. Why don't you uh, hit us with your final thing? Yeah, my 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 last uh, my last top four thing is just uh, it's kind of a shout out uh, to Equal Time Soccer because they're putting out a lot of sort of yes. preview content right now for um, for the college season that's obviously upcoming. Um, obviously, they'll be doing all kinds of coverage through the season, but right now they've been putting out some some long form pieces, really impressive long form pieces, kind of previewing different things there, there's a there's a preview piece for the gophers specifically there's uh one that's sort of looking at different d1 minnesotan players outside of the state there was one for the nsic which is a, a d2 uh conference uh up here in minnesota uh so just a lot of interesting content really in depth i mean you know they're, they're they had graphs and stuff i mean really you know they, they had like really proper data laid out good length articles all that stuff so 
um, really suggest you check that out if you're, you know, kind of trying to pick up some things ahead of the season, learn some stuff. I, I'm certainly a person that wants to learn more about uh, those conferences, those teams, those players. So it was it was great to have a way to sort of get started uh, for, for 2022 and 2023. So yeah, just suggest you go to their website. I think it's still sort of the first stuff on the, on the, on the feed right now. Uh, there might even be more art, more preview articles out by the time you listen to this. Um, I'm not sure what the, the rest of the schedule is, but yeah, just a shout out to them for the great content and suggest people go read it. All right, Dom, my internet is showing one bar here. So why don't we get out before we, I lose, <laughs> I lose connection. Uh, that is it for this episode of 10,000 pitches. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, uh, big thanks to Mish from Evolution FC for joining the show. If you want to hear another great interview from Dominic Jose Bazonio, Dakota FC, or just Dakota FC, Dakota Fusion head coach, uh, Samuel Winning, former Duluth FC player as well. Um, great interview with Dominic. That is our 10K stoppage time this week. So you can go to patreon.com, so to soccer, and check that out. And then uh, we'll be posting some uh, some training content on Friday as well uh, from Minnesota United Training. So Make sure you're supporting us there and getting that bonus content. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. Uh, tell a friend about the podcast as well. That would be awesome. And then uh, meet us right back here next Friday for another edition of 10,000 Pitches. Another edition of Post Loons uh, will be coming your way after the Minnesota United match against Austin. So whatever soccer you're taking in and enjoying this weekend, uh, enjoy that. And uh, we'll be back next week to break the action on 10,000 Pitches. Have a good weekend, everybody. Thank you.